When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 174. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today we are talking about all things accountability. Now, I will be the first to say that I am not always true to my word. When I was growing up, my dad used to say, you are only as good as your word. So when things fall through the cracks, when I make promises to myself or to my team and I don't deliver, I start to feel incredibly guilty. And it's hard for me to shake off those moments knowing I didn't follow through like I said I would. But I'm learning that feeling guilty is not a productive emotion to have. It's not going to get me anywhere. And instead, I need to be become a student of habits and accountability, and I need to learn how to turn the knowledge I have into action. And this, I know, is going to help me move my business forward even more so than where I'm at today. So a lot of the times when I'm learning something new or I feel that I need something extra in my business, I like to share it with all of you because I'm guessing you could use a little extra help with accountability as well. And that's precisely why I've created this episode. So hopefully it's going to help you and it's going to help me. So my guest today is Carrie Bentley. And Carrie, with her husband, Demir, have created Lifehack Bootcamp, a top-ranked online productivity program. Their mission is to up-level our work performance so that we can have the time and freedom to live extraordinary lives. I was interviewed by Carrie for one of her programs, and I just absolutely love talking to her. She's incredibly intelligent, but she also knows, again, how to turn that knowledge into action. And the people that go through her program, oh my gosh, she has like an 80% completion rate because she knows how to keep her audience engaged and to keep them accountable. So Carrie and Demir have created four levels of accountability. And they say that if you can stack these levels of accountability, and I'm going to walk through all of them in this show today, 
But if you stack these levels of accountability, you will be so much more capable of always taking action when you learn something new, when you start a new project, when you dive into an online launch, whatever it might be. And I think we all could use an extra shot of accountability and getting into daily habits that make a huge difference in getting to the finish line. So again, that's what this episode is all about. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and welcome Carrie to the show. Carrie, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you here as well. And I want to start at the beginning and just talk a little bit about why you and your husband, Demir, are so passionate about productivity and accountability. It feels like you've been productive from day one. (laughs) Well, what's funny, Amy, is we were definitely not on the top of our game back in the day. We definitely have not always been productivity experts. And in fact, as recently as several years ago, we were that couple that just works way, way too much. And we weren't really getting ahead for all the work that we put in. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to this. You know, you just the conventional wisdom is to push harder and harder and just grit and bear it. And we probably would have just done that but we both live with chronic work-related illnesses. So our bodies just gave out on us and really forced us to start redesigning our lifestyle that optimized for not just our career, but also for our family and our friends and our marriage, really. So, you know, fast forward a few years later and we've cracked that code. We're making more money than we did before. We're working on a business that really makes a difference in the world, all while working between 20 and 30 hours per week and living in an exotic country every other month. And through our 60-day life hack bootcamp program, we train people in how to get things done so that they can create that sort of lifestyle for themselves, whatever that looks like, right? And so what's great is we get to live our mission and our passion, which is showing people how to get things done. And I'm really excited for this conversation today because I'm going to be sharing some of our biggest hacks for moving from knowledge into action, which include our accountability method. Uh, I absolutely love that. I love that you didn't start out with being a pro in this area. So we know that it's teachable. We can learn it, which is great. And second, when you and I were talking earlier before we hit play, you were saying that you really just had to start over with a blank slate and just redesign a life that optimized how you want to live. And I think a lot of what you're going to be teaching us through this episode means that we don't have to start from a blank slate because that's not actually incredibly easy, but instead take some of these tips and tricks that you're going to teach us and apply it to our life where we're at right now. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I really want to show people who might be frustrated out there with how much they know, but frustrated with the results that they're getting in their life, how to convert more of that knowledge into stuff that they actually do on a day-to-day basis. Fantastic. So it sounds like you've made a study of productivity, and I know you see the setbacks we face all the time. Would I be right there? (laughs) Absolutely. And our work environments have changed dramatically over the last few decades, and we face a lot of productivity issues that our mothers and our grandmothers never even had to deal with. So for example, you know, distractions. We're living in a age of distractions and it's really just getting started. So if you feel unfocused or scattered, you know, like you can't pay attention to something longer than a few minutes, a big reason is all the distractions that pull us off course. And I know a few weeks ago you had a podcast about this. Yes. And 
The stats are crazy. The average mobile phone user checks their phone about 150 times per day. Jeez. So that's 150 distractions right there. And we can only focus, the average office worker that is, can only focus for about seven minutes before they change browsers or you know check their social media or check a text message. So it's very in vogue right now. Everyone's talking about distractions, but this isn't a fad. I believe that this is just going to get worse. I think this is the canary in the coal mine. And another side that we're facing is that we're in a much more competitive economy today. I actually call it the winner-take-all economy. And I'll explain that really quickly. It used to mean that we used to be able to do a decent job and get decent results. You know, we'd had great pay, decent respect, decent lifestyle. And if we wanted to step up, then we'd get commensurate results. But in today's winner-take-all economy, decent performance actually gets you crappy pay and crappy lifestyle and good performance only gets you a decent lifestyle and so on. So folks today are really feeling dissatisfied, right? Because they can sense that the game has changed and it's gotten a lot tougher. So let me give you an example that everyone listening will be able to relate to. In our business, we compete with everyone in the world to be on the first page of Google search results. And there's no real consolation prize, right, for landing on the second page. Right. It's kind of all or nothing because consumers today can easily find their way you know, to the best person who provides any service anywhere in the world. And this might sound like bad news, but it's actually really good news because it means that the folks who can focus on being the best, just being one one hundredth of a second better or faster than the rest of the pack, can truly start living outstanding lives. And you know, the rest of us struggling with digital dementia, they're gonna we're gonna keep sliding further and further into this distraction land, if you will. So what I'm really trying to say here is the winners in this environment are the people who can turn knowledge into action. We all love to learn new things, right? Yeah. But the problem lies when we don't put it into practice. So we might hear this incredible podcast and get so excited and jazzed about what we learned, but then we're disappointed if a few weeks later, we kind of realize that we haven't taken any action to make a change in our lives. So we have the knowledge, but we aren't putting it into action. And that's what I'm really passionate about is turning knowledge into action. And that's why I'm so excited for this interview, because this is exactly what we're going to tackle. Okay, definitely what we're going to tackle for sure. And I like your approach to productivity because a lot of my listeners have a lot of knowledge. They are smarty pants. They really study, <laughs> they dive in, they know what they need to know in order to move their business forward. And where they really struggle is turning that knowledge into action. So this is so timely, so perfect. So in terms of your approach to productivity, a lot of the times we approach it like a class or something we learn once, but you say that's not the way to do it, right? Yeah, that's right. And the biggest difference in our approach is that we approach productivity like training for a pro sport, not taking a course. And so that's why our program has an insane completion rate in an industry that usually has a very low completion rate. And listen, there are so many amazing courses out there these days, right? Like you said, the knowledge is out there and it's such great stuff. And people posting these courses are thinking, hey, you know, it took me decades to learn this stuff and I'm just giving it to you in a matter of a couple videos, but we still have that gap between knowledge and action. And so the way I explain this is it's not either party's fault here. 
it's actually the faulty mode of education that we've been raised with, right? It's kind of like the classroom model, which is, you know, didactic education. We've experienced this all ourselves. You know, we passively learn a subject and we memorize it for the test and then promptly forget it right after. And the most valuable things in life, though, can only be learned by doing them a lot. And that's what we call experiential education. So, for example, leadership. You can read every book on Gandhi and still not be a leader. Or sports. You can read every book about basketball and your reflexes can still not improve. And the list just goes on and on and on. So some of the best things in life really just need to be practiced. And it turns out that productivity is in that category. And in fact, we had a student once, uh, you'll appreciate this, who had literally read every book on productivity, gone to every seminar, read every blog post. He could have taught a class on productivity, (laughs) but he wasn't doing it himself. He didn't practice what he preached. And you can imagine how that made him feel, right? You know, like frustrated and hypocritical and just not understanding why he wasn't getting results. And so I love this quote by John Wooden. He once said that, champions do the basics brilliantly. Mm. And I I love that because like you said, it means there's no magic ingredient here. It's about drilling the basics again and again. And what happens is you kind of go through four phases. There's unconscious incompetence where you're doing it wrong, but you don't know that you're doing it wrong. Then there's conscious incompetence. You can start seeing what you're doing wrong, but you still might be doing it wrong. And the more you practice, you move up to conscious competence where you're doing it right, but it's taking up a lot of brain power and just effort. And finally, you get to unconscious competence. This is kind of like LeBron James, right? He's not thinking about what he does. He's just drilled it so many times that it's automatic. It's totally beautiful. But really, he's just doing the basics better than anybody else. So here's the main point here. If you don't take anything else away from today's podcast, then take this. Focusing on getting things done is the ultimate superpower for your success in life. And if you want to get good at it, you just have to train until unconscious incompetence becomes unconscious competence. When you're not even thinking about it, it just happens. And it's really amazing because we've seen people facing major limitations like ADHD become astonishingly productive because they just put in that time drilling the the basics brilliantly. Okay, so our goal is to get to unconscious competence, correct? Correct, that's exactly right. And you're saying approach it like a sport, but how do you do that exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. So social scientists and psychologists like Carol Dweck and Angela Duckworth have figured out that there's a right way and a wrong way to get better at hard things and turn that knowledge into action. So let me give you a great example that all of us can relate to. Most of us have been typing on a keyboard for decades, right? But the average typing speed for an adult doesn't improve much at all after college. So we've been practicing at typing for hours and hours a day, but we're not getting better at it. So that's the wrong type of practice where we're putting in tons of hours, but not improving because we're not actually trying to get better, right? We're not testing ourselves. We're not identifying our weaknesses and really focusing on improving them. So the right type of practice is intentional, effortful practice. And that's where the quality of our practice is just as important as the quantity of it. And it's where we chunk down our big goals and we actually measure ourselves as we get better. So we're zeroing in on the things that we're bad at rather than just leaning 
and, you know, supporting ourselves with the things that we're good at. And that's the rub, right? So this right here is what separates the men from the mice. It's <laughs> discipline, right? Some of us seem to have it in enormous quantities and most of us don't have all that much discipline. Right. And I joke sometimes that discipline is the most scarce resource in the human brain. And if discipline was plentiful, we'd all have successful businesses and be a lot skinnier, right? Yes. <laughs> so the problem with effortful practice is that it takes a lot of discipline, discipline that we just don't have. And this is where most people fall down. Because when we do things alone, usually within weeks or months, we just stop doing them. But the good news is that you can actually hack discipline and create massive amounts of discipline for yourself. And this is not just for productivity. It's actually for anything that you want to tackle that requires discipline. And the hack that I'm talking about here is accountability. So think about it. When you promise your boss in front of all your coworkers at a meeting that you're going to deliver a sales report, it always gets done, right? right. Sometimes you work miracles in 48 hours. But if you promise yourself that you know, you're going to lose some weight three years later and nothing really has changed. And the difference is accountability. Accountability is amazing. It's an extremely potent form of social pressure because it's programmed deep into our DNA. And we're programmed to be social creatures. So you know, even if you're an introvert, it's extremely effective in elevating your discipline. So what I want to do is quickly share some high-level observations we've learned in the last couple years studying how to hack accountability to accomplish any big goal in life. Because we've learned that some accountability relationships actually don't work and some work really, really well. And we call the type of accountability that really works layered accountability. Layered accountability doesn't just give you one form of accountability. It provides four overlapping layers to an accountability that reinforces ironclad discipline and gets you doing things that you actually hate doing and actually gets you enjoying doing those things. So I'll break down each layer. And as I do this, try to think about the things that you've done before in your life where you've been tremendously successful and ask yourself if any of these layers of accountability were present to help you reinforce that discipline. So the first layer here, the first layer is a coach or a boss or a teacher or a, or a mentor or a leader of some sort. This person creates a space of elevated expectations for you. And this is what you do for the folks who are in your curated community and programs, Amy. Inside of this bubble, status quo isn't acceptable. Average isn't acceptable. There's no BS allowed, right? right. Only your best effort. So you set the they set the bar high. That the person who's in the leadership position is responsible for setting the bar high, and so that's the first layer a coach. Okay, so I've got a question for you. Does this have to be one on one accountability? Because you mentioned one of my programs and inside the group status quo isn't acceptable, but is that enough? Yeah, actually, it does not need to be like a one on one relationship where you have a mentor that you talk to every day. The, the most important thing at this particular layer is that your coach holds that nice high bar for you no matter what. So if you think about talking to them, you'd be nervous about talking to them unless you really have some results to show. And you also have to know that this coach has your best interests at heart. You need to kind of give them permission to get tough on you. But no, that first layer is not enough just by itself. Okay. So then move me into the second layer. 
Great. So the second layer is one of my favorites, and it's a team of people who you respect. So these should be like-minded individuals who are in the same boat. These are people at your level or higher, and they're all rowing towards the same goal. And teams are at their very best when you really respect the people around you. So if that respect is there, then you're highly motivated. And when they offer support or feedback to you, it really means something to you, right? You care, you listen. But by far the best part of teams, and this is probably why I like them so much, is the competition. Yes. Because let's be honest, you know, you can't make excuses when someone else is out there getting results. So teams help us stop feeling sorry for ourselves and motivated to get in the game. And actually, funny story here, we had a CEO on one of our, our teams who wouldn't stop complaining about, you know, it's too hard, he couldn't do it. He had all these excuses for what we were asking of him. And it just wasn't possible, right? Then we had a lower level executive suffering from ADHD, who started blowing everyone else out of the water. (laughs) So we didn't even have to say a thing. This guy just saw someone who he perceived as less talented than him, blowing him out of the water. And he immediately just, you know, shut up and did it. So competition is good, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. There's a huge power in in having that social experience. Okay. So with the second layer, it's all about the team. And I know you said earlier when we were talking offline that you've got to give when it comes to this team. So you've got to engage with the team. I love the idea of competition because that really gets me going. I actually am sometimes embarrassed to admit how competitive I can get in those settings, but I do believe that it serves me well. So as long as I don't get crazy around it. So, okay. The second layer being team, talk to us about the third layer. Awesome. So the third layer of accountability is a buddy. Now, this is more of a one-on-one relationship, and it's someone who's responsible for you and your results, and you're going to be responsible for them and their results. So it's kind of like the buddy system in kindergarten where you hold each other's hand. And actually, this continues up through the U.S. military. The military has really mastered this layer of accountability, and it's so powerful because one person is responsible for another person, and they're tied together. So it's literally they have to sink or swim together. And that obligation really keeps them in the game no matter what, keeps them showing up at the gym, as it were. But let me warn you here, a lot of folks are probably thinking right now, oh, like, let me call up my best friend and they can be my buddy. That might be a mistake. We found that your best friend is usually a terrible accountability buddy because best friends aren't going to call BS on you when you're making excuses, mm. <laughs> right? Because you have that friendship on the line. Yeah. So you you want someone who you really respect and you look up to, but who isn't that close to you. So a lot of people can make that mistake. Um, you want a good buddy, someone who won't be susceptible to your emotional bribery. We all have it, right? <laughs> we all have it for sure. Okay. So third layer is getting a buddy. Talk to us about the fourth and final layer. Great. This fourth layer is public accountability. And Amy, I know you personally are a huge fan of this one. Yes. So like in sports, you're accountable to your fans, right? There's nowhere to hide out if you choke. But we don't have a lot of opportunities for public accountability in our life. So you know, if you don't write that book that you've been wanting to write, Usually no one finds out. We just quietly bury the bodies of our failures, right? (laughs) And kind of push them into the past. So what you can do is create opportunities for public declarations. So on Facebook, for example, to your friend group, you know, to your office or to your clients, kind of like what you did recently with List Builders Lab, 
you got to tell your clients what they can count on from you. And that's something that puts you on the hook to really deliver that. So take an action today that commits you to an outcome. And you can even accelerate this by declaring what you're going to do if you don't achieve this goal. So I love the example of Domino's Pizza. If I don't deliver this product in time, then you get it for free, right? Yes. And this is all in service of putting skin in the game. Because the more skin you have in the game, the more likely you'll be to cross the finish line. So investing money, for example, in a program or training, that is a great way to get skin in the game as well. And actually, hopefully people will love this. There's a great app called Stick, S-T-I-C-K-K, where you can actually put money on the line for not accomplishing your goals. So actually, yeah, they'll deduct it from your account. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap up these layers, everyone knows they need discipline to get things done. But we found that when you layer these four types of accountability all at once, a coach, a team, a buddy, public declaration, skin in the game, you can amplify your discipline to a level you just never thought was possible. We've we've had people call into their accountability calls from Antarctica because they were that committed. We even had someone step out of an Oscars party to do his check-in call because he treated it as non-optional and just crucial to his success. And so that's the hack. That's how you turn knowledge into action. You create layered accountability to get skin in the game, close off your escape routes, close the back doors, and truly commit yourself to finishing what you start. Oh my gosh. So many good points there. I love this idea of layered accountability. I've never looked at it from this angle before. So really, really good stuff. Now, the good thing is you have a process to help hold you accountable to your buddy system. And it's called the champagne moment, which I absolutely love the name. So what is it and why is it called the champagne moment? Yeah, definitely. Because here's the thing. You don't want to get on the phone with your buddy and just be like, what do I say to them? You kind of want a process you can follow reliably to know that you're leveraging that relationship in the right way. So let's assume that you've gone in, you've created layered accountability in your life. Now you need to turn your focus towards getting the right things done. And this can be one of the hardest things to do, right? Prioritization. Like how many times have you gone through a week and just realized, You didn't even start working on your top priority. Yes. Too many times, right? Yes, yes. Definitely. So we created something we called champagne moments. And a champagne moment is a really easy exercise that you can do weekly, even with your accountability buddy, to sort out the important things from the seemingly important things. And I know you can appreciate that, Amy, as an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. So here it is. And think about this in your life right this second as you're listening. So what could you do this week that if you got it done, you'd be so happy that you'd step by the store on the way home, you'd grab a bottle of champagne, and you would pop it open with your significant other? Just think about that for a second. This is not something that would just deserve a little celebration. I'm talking about what could you do this week that would deserve popping a bottle of champagne and truly celebrating? And what's so great about this thought exercise is that it instantly strips away the shallow work on your plate and gets you thinking about the deep, deep work. This is the work that really moves your life forward in a massive, massive way. Because we're so used to just grinding through emails and sitting in meetings and we start thinking that, you know, we're doing work, we're doing good work. But the problem is you don't want to look back at someone's life and, you know, I don't want to look back and see, oh my gosh, I answered 1 million emails. What a, what a great person. (laughs) What a champion. 
emails and meetings are necessary, but they are not creating your legacy. They are shallow work. So we ask our clients to identify a champagne moment every week, even if it's a small one, something that pushes their life or career forward in a big way. And if you're having a problem identifying something that you'd pop a bottle of champagne, or worse, if you don't think you deserve to celebrate with a bottle of champagne every Friday, then ask yourself, what does that mean? Are you playing too small? Are you not stepping outside your comfort zone? You know, are you punishing yourself? Are you holding back and refusing just to celebrate yourself? So you want to start pulling this thread and want to discuss this with your accountability buddy. We encourage you to ask this question every Sunday night as you're planning out your week. And I always come up with amazing insights into my work and my relationship actually to my work. So you can also have these champagne moments for your month or for your quarter or for your year. And you want to ask yourself, what's the one thing that if you got it done this year, even if you screwed everything else up royally, it would still move you forward in a really, really big way. So I'll give you an example here. We had a client named Tiffany. She kept asking this question relentlessly every week. She'd discuss it with her accountability buddy. Her buddy would help hold her accountable to getting these things done. And within six months, she went on, she went from being on probation at work, literally almost fired. She actually got promoted two times wow. in less than 12 months because she stopped focusing on the shallow work and she got clear on her big stuff that she really needed to do. So just to make this real, just try doing it right now. Just ask yourself, what's the number one thing this week that if you could do it would make you feel so satisfied and just so proud of yourself that you'd stop by the store truly buy some champagne and maybe some chocolate if you don't want to buy alcohol and go home and kick off your shoes and just raise a glass to yourself. And if this is tough for you, it might be tough. That's totally fine. Just keep with it. It's designed to challenge you. It's designed to kind of make you uncomfortable. So you're going to want to share this champagne moment with your accountability buddy and ask your buddy to share theirs with you as well and figure out what's going to potentially distract or block you from reaching your champagne moment and come up with some defense plans to keep those things from happening. And we tell our clients, if at the end of the week, you did not get your champagne moment done, just learn from it. Just own it. It's also okay when we just learn from what we do, right? And there's usually three reasons why it doesn't get done. You either overreached, meaning you overestimated what you can do. And so we can learn how to chunk down to smaller goals and become reasonable with our expectations of ourselves. Or, you know, maybe you didn't show up at your peak level. We needed a little bit more grit, a little bit more discipline, or life just happened, right? Some weeks you didn't do anything wrong. Your week just goes sideways. So the trick is just to try again in the next week. So the champagne moment exercise helps you clarify your week. It helps you measure your progress and put in that effortful practice that really improves your performance. And it makes it very easy for you to dialogue with your accountability buddy. Oh my gosh. So good. I absolutely loved a champagne moment when you first talked about it. And I was asking you, are you cool with first explaining it on the podcast, but then putting it into a freebie? Because 
I really want my listeners to take this freebie, look at the champagne moment, and then do this exercise. And I love your idea of doing it on Sunday night before the week starts and really asking yourself, is this something that would get you really excited and you'd want to pop that bottle of champagne? And so I wanted to first thank you for allowing us to put this into a freebie because it's going to be incredibly valuable. And also I want to encourage all of you to download it, amyporterfield.com forward slash 174 download. So amyporterfield.com forward slash 174 download. You can get this champagne moment written out step by step so that you can put it into full effect. So Carrie, thank you so much for allowing us to use it. Oh, awesome. No problem. Okay. So we're not stopping there because we've got one final piece that is so incredibly valuable before we wrap up. Now, I'm sure that you and your husband, Demir, have heard every excuse in the book why people aren't getting stuff done. Can you run a few of those by us and kind of give us some ways to move past those limiting beliefs? Oh man, yes, we definitely have. (laughs) In fact, we started hearing so many excuses over and over again that we realized that they were all based on these five sort of basic excuses. And so we started calling them limiting mindsets because they're the worst kind of lies that you can tell yourself. And the worst kind of lies that they are that because they have just enough truth to them to make them feel really real (laughs) in our lives, right? So they're kind of like poison for your productivity because they convince you that you're a victim to your circumstances or that you're not to blame for your results. And so then you end up quitting before you actually break through, which is really just such a shame. And listen, you know, your brain is the ultimate technology. It's not your phone. It's your brain. If your brain is to extreme ownership of your circumstances, then you're going to be LeBron James 52 weeks out of the year. You're going to crush it like all the time. You're going to sail through challenges that stop everybody else. But if your brain's wired to these limiting mindsets or you've got negative voices just running rampant in your head, right? We all have those. It's not going to stop no matter how productive you are. You're going to get stopped at small obstacles and you'll genuinely start to believe that you can't go further, which is just not true. So you need to be really vigilant about looking out for these limiting mindsets because they're kind of like weeds. They're just going to take over your whole garden if you don't really root them out. So here's the first one. I don't have enough hours in the day. Have you ever found yourself saying this one? I say this one all the time. Exactly. And that's because there's a kernel of truth here, right? We tend to be overcommitted as humans. We have really long to-do lists. But the lie part of this is that with more time, we could actually catch up. Like, you know, if we had 36 hours in a day, then we could finally get ahead and do everything we want to do. Oh, yeah. I believe that one. So you're saying that is not true. Exactly. Because study after study shows it's not just about your time. It's actually more so about your energy. And you have a limited amount of cognitive energy each day. In fact, you have a decision bank of about 200 decisions per day, regardless of how much time you have available. And once you exceed that, then your brain kind of calls it quits for the day. It says, I'm done, right? And so have you ever had that happen to you where you go into work and you step into a really like intense meeting? And by the time you get out at like noon, you're just toast, you're fried. I, this happens to me when I'm creating content. So if I'm recording content for, let's say an online course after about three or four videos, 
I literally can't think of anything else. And I often feel like, what's my problem? Like, get it together, Amy. But I'm toast, like you said. (laughs) Exactly. And so we call this cognitive load. And cognitive load is the cost of making decisions on your working memory. And so what happens when you max out your cognitive load is that decision fatigue sets in. And this is actually a psychological condition where you literally start making bad decisions. And studies show that you work slower, you make more mistakes, and you tend to be very grumpy, right? And unfortunately, our brain has no idea what an important decision is or an unimportant decision. And so even little things like debating what kind of sandwiches we eat or what to wear for the day, that's also taxing your cognitive energy that you could otherwise use to move the ball forward in your life. So this is where the higher truth comes in. So if the limiting truth traps you in a corner, then the higher truth sets you free. It actually gives you a path forward. So the higher truth here is that even if I could give you more hours, you couldn't use them because a lot of us are depleting our cognitive capacity way before we've run out of time in the day. So we actually need to learn how to make better decisions with the time we have, not necessarily get more time. And that makes sense, right? You know, you or Oprah or Richard Branson, like none of us have more time than the other person. They just use it differently. And so I love, Amy, how you say that you do your content creation in the morning and you get that creative work out of the way because you know those are the best hours of your day. Yeah. And when I broke through on this personally, it was totally huge for me because instead of just trying to fit more and more and more work into my day, just starting to burn myself out, I just refocused myself on my champagne moment and really moving the ball forward first thing, first thing in the morning. And so that's what convinced me I need to work on the hardest stuff first, right when I'm fresh. Okay. And so when you were saying that you need to make better decisions, did I hear you right? Where you were saying you really need to make better decisions? Was that right? Well, we need to make better decisions about what we're going to do with that cognitive energy. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So really deciding what am I going to work on today? And now I see how you're tying that into your champagne moment, because if you're working on things that are, that's not going to get you to that champagne moment come Friday, end of day, then you likely should be working on something else that's going to move the needle forward. Exactly. And so we want to be careful about like frittering away those, you know, that cognitive load and that energy on unimportant things, you know, for example, like doing laundry or procrastinating by cleaning our house or whatever. And we want to be very aware that we want to focus our energy into those first two or three hours where we're most powerful and the most fresh and then go easier on ourselves later in the day. I love this. So if you all follow my podcast and you listened a few episodes back when I talked about ditching the distractions, I feel that that episode is so much better when you have a champagne moment and you know where you're going for that week. And so when those distractions come up, they're very easy to identify because you know they have nothing to do with that champagne moment you're trying to get to. So I love how this is all coming together. Okay. So that's one of the first limiting mindsets. Give me a second one. We'll go through two of them here, and then I'm going to save the last three for the freebie because the freebie is going to give you the step-by-step walkthrough of how to create your champagne moment with your buddy. And then we're going to list all five of these limiting mindsets, but we're going to give you two right now just to pique your curiosity. Awesome. Great. So here's the second one. I just can't stay focused. 
There Ugh. must be something wrong with my brain. Bring it on. I think this one's <laughs> going to resonate with a lot of listeners. Talk to me about this one. Yeah. So the half truth here is you are distracted. And a lot of us are facing distraction these days. I would say that's just a trend that's going to keep continuing. But the lie here is that there's actually nothing wrong with you or your brain. You're most likely just overworked. And the fact here is that your work is the product of your habits not of your feelings. And that's one of the biggest distinctions we can make because a lot of us are emotional workers, right? And so what we can do in order to combat this limiting mindset is to realize that we need to develop better work habits. And habitual behavior, it goes back billions of years, right? It easily predates the human brain. And habits can actually get us to do things even when we don't feel like doing it because they feel easy to do, right? So habits can actually induce and modify and even destroy our mood or our state of mind that we're currently in. And so the most powerful organizations in human history have leveraged habits to enhance workflow, induce states of mind, and push human performance to its limits. So what's great about this is that you can form your own habits and they can be created and modified in just a matter of weeks. And the best part about it is habits do not incur any cognitive load. So remember when we talked about cognitive energy, habits don't actually take up any power in our decision bank. So once we get focused work as a habit, not just as a state of mind that we have to kind of white knuckle ourselves into, then we're going to be able to fix our state of mind, fix our habits, and turn a bad workflow into a great workflow, turn distracted workers into productive workers. So what's great about this is as you know, animals, we respond to our environment in really predictable ways, and we can use that to our advantage here. Okay, so I'm guessing that you talk a lot about habits inside your own community. This has got to be a topic that comes up a lot, <laughs> but I'd be guessing, right? Yes, definitely. Okay, so like I mentioned, those are the first two limiting mindsets, but there are three more, and I'll give you a hint. One has to do with you feeling like you don't get to control your time. Another one has to do with you feeling like there's way too much on your plate. So just a few little hints as to what's to come. So if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 174 download, amyporterfield.com forward slash 174 download, you can grab the freebie and we'll go through all five of them plus that champagne moment. So first of all, thank you so much. This was so well thought out. You could tell that you prepared for this and I cannot thank you enough because as you know, know, my listeners are busy. They don't have a lot of time. So when you come prepared, you just blow them out of the water, which I'm sure you just did because you did for me. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And Amy, thanks so much for having me on. You have been such a huge inspiration to me and to all the people in your community. And I just want to acknowledge you for what you've created with this community and for the help that you've given me in my own business. Thank you so much. That means the world to me, truly. And I want you to tell my listeners where they can learn more about you because I think they're going to want to learn from you and your husband, Demir, for sure. So where can they learn more? Definitely. So, you know, our mission is that we're here to help people unlock 100% of their God-given talents so that they can get the most important things done and actually create the success they deserve. So with that said, you can check out our website. We're at lifehackbootcamp.com. So if you're the kind of person who's already successful, but you just know that there's more in the gas tank, 
Or if you're sick of sabotaging your success with your really bad work habits, then we've got a ton of just free information, some free downloads, and even some free masterclasses that could help you take yourself to the next level. Lifehackbootcamp.com. Definitely go check it out. Carrie, thanks again so very much. Thanks, Amy. So there you have it. Hopefully you enjoyed my special interview with Carrie Bentley. I absolutely love talking with her. I want you to get your hands on the free cheat sheet that Carrie and her husband, Demir, have prepared for this episode. It's the champagne moment. So when you get an accountability partner, you're going to want to bring this up and work through the process together. It is so incredibly valuable. Plus, we've included the five limiting mindsets. These limiting mindsets, we did a few here in this episode, but there's more. They are poison and they will encourage you to stop before you even start. So we have to mind our mindset. We've got to pay very close attention to what we're thinking at any given moment, especially as it relates to growing our business and getting work done. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 174 download, amyporterfield.com forward slash 174 download. You can download the cheat sheet right away. I can't wait for you to put it in motion in your own business. Thanks so much for being here with me. I cannot wait to connect with you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 